Crystal Deal With It focuses on bridging the gap between where you're at now and where you'd like to be. We'll explore wisdom and techniques from a wide variety of domains and industries and apply them to your unique challenges. I love developing frameworks, processes, and storytelling metaphors that enable personal and business growth. Through actionable next steps, we'll build momentum and confidence. My goal is to help you clear roadblocks, do more with what you have, and realize the potential of yourself and your team. So throw your challenges my way and Chris will deal with it. Welcome to episode 27 of Chris will deal with it, managing the middle, building walls while the house is on fire. First, an AI statement. All elements of this episode are products of the author, Chris Kreuter, made without any use of AI tools. The Managing the Middle series offers advice on serving as a better bridge between the divides within our organizations, societies, and lives. It's the kind of advice I would have benefited from when I started managing projects and people in my 20s. The series is also intended as a counter to polarization and extremism, an aid to embracing the shades of gray between issues. In the show notes, you'll find a link to episode 9 of the podcast, which was the first in the Managing the Middle series. Today, I'm going to focus on one of my favorite sayings. It's hard to build walls when the house is on fire. It's meant to capture a specific tension, balancing the building of meaningful, substantial things that matter, such as a system, a tool, or a product, against the constant barrage of modern life, unplanned problems, constant interruptions, mundane tasks, and demands on our time. As listeners of the podcast know, I like to theme my episodes around an analogy, and this one is no different. So to start, I'd like you to consider the project, goal, or process that looms largest in your life, the one that, when completed, will truly make a difference. Let's consider this the house you're trying to build. Building this house is going to take a large effort. It may involve a team of people with a specific deadline. It may be a solo project that will take years. Or you may be facing a more daunting task of a larger development, such as building a company from the ground up. Regardless of the size of your project, You can improve the chance of success by paying attention to a few key concepts. One, environment. Two, objectives. Three, materials. Four, foundation. And five, pace. So number one, environment. You'll rarely have perfect environmental conditions to do your best work. That's worth repeating. Understand there's always going to be imperfections you need to contend with. So get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Now let's say you find yourself in the middle of a half-built house. You have multiple crews with different responsibilities to manage, roofers, electricians, plumbers, masons, etc. Each requires specific skills, materials, and methods to get their jobs done effectively. And there's going to be conflicts, frictions between these groups. All are going to demand various parts of your attention, and that means dozens of small fires that are going to need to be put out, hopefully figuratively and not literally. But whether it's a home or a company, You need to balance the end goal, which is the completed home, product, company, mission, the departmental deliverables, subsystems, a process for that particular department, project elements, and individual desires, the customer, the employees, and the communities impacted by your operations or your product. So how will you maintain your balance among the uncertainty of your environment? Will you allow yourself to get pulled every which way by the demands of others? Can you identify some north star that's going to help you stay oriented on the critical elements of success? How much mitigation are you going to need to establish to ensure the environmental conditions are managed? So a few mitigation strategies that can help you contain your environment would be weekly check-ins, both personal and for your team, 
office hours, which will isolate specific blocks of time for those who rely on you to present their problems and issues needing attention. You could assign trusted people on your team or in your network to assist in keeping you accountable to your goals. You can have an easy-to-use note-taking and or task management system to ease the burden your brain has to remember everything that's on your plate. You could use time block planning, and I'll point you to the work of Cal Newport here, and I'll, there'll be a link to his stuff in the show notes, where you can break your goals into time-bound elements that could be yearly, quarterly, monthly, weekly, daily, hell, even hourly. You can communicate your requirements and methods to your team. How can they best work to help you maintain a positive environment within which you'll do your best work? It's important to note you don't need to be the boss, in this case the foreman, the project manager, CEO, whatever. These environmental controls are just as important for those on the lower rungs of an organization as they are at the top. While there is a need to cater more to those with higher levels of responsibility on a project or product, it's just as helpful to the overall project to establish your own environmental controls to do the best work within your scope of the work. Remember that the people at the top of the hierarchy can't possibly control every variable. So take pride in ensuring success within your domain and speak up when your needs aren't being met. To go back to our analogy, the masons responsible for ensuring the proper water mixture in their mortar and controlling the environmental conditions when they mix. The project manager's focus is on the wall being built but it's imperative that both parties have the trust and understanding and a method of effective communication when something out of their mutual control goes wrong. So let's go to number two, objectives. You want to keep all your objectives top of mind, spending a few minutes at the start of each day contemplating the current target or milestone. What is the most important thing you can do today to move closer to that target? Can you over-communicate these objectives and actions to all the stakeholders as best you can? You want to develop a scaffolding to support what you're building. This is a method of regularly reviewing goals and actions, the processes and tools that you're using. You want to occasionally inspect the scaffolding itself. Does it need to change to better support the next stage of your project? More to that point, you do want to allow for adaptation, both personal and for the project. Not everything goes to plan. If you or your objectives are too rigid, you risk building something that might become outdated or meeting the wrong expectations. And the longer the time scale it's going to take to achieve that goal, the more likely adaptation will be needed. If it took you five years to renovate a house by yourself, there's a chance that building codes can change, styles can become outdated, materials can go obsolete, and tools can fall out of calibration. There's also more risk of people turnover, which would require more effort to onboard partners into your vision. While it's okay to adapt, and often necessary, you do want to avoid getting hijacked. If you put too much focus on other people's objectives or the objectives of one department factoring into your project, that can create big imbalances. There's a skill to saying no to that which takes you too far from your objectives. For more on this, I'm going to recommend checking out episode 10 of the podcast, Taking Time for Making Mine, which digs into that issue a little bit deeper. If it's within your power, align the rewards and motivations. Think about who bears the most risk in your contracts and agreements. Do you have a contractor engaged on a fixed price contract? They're bearing the risk of cost overruns if something goes wrong. Or are they working on an open-ended time and materials agreement where you have to have a high level of trust that they're being as effective as possible? Are you in a position to reward or be rewarded if a project is done under budget and or faster than expected? Are your various stakeholders being held to a common definition of success 
who are each of them in it for themselves, being rewarded for their small contribution rather than the success of the entire project? Is there a clear agreement on how contingencies are going to be handled and negotiated? If the customer inspects the work in progress and wants the bedroom painted blue instead of yellow, is there a clear process to determine who's responsible to bear the penalty of all that additional time and materials? So let's talk about number three, materials. What options are available to you? What can you realistically afford? Are your materials, tools, and training right size for your project? If your goal was to write a novel, should you buy a $1,000 Montblanc pen and custom gilded paper bound in a leather brown journal just to write it? Or a crayon on construction paper? Both of those examples are extremes, and they still neglect the necessity of editing and the ease that digital tools create. Do skills need to be learned or retrained to properly execute on an element of the project? If so, can you practice on cheaper, more readily available materials, saving your best material for the final effort? So that can involve rapid prototyping, that can involve, that can involve using index cards to go through your plot and your characters in the novel example. It can mean using cheaper wood to practice drilling a hole to make sure your new drill press works properly. You want to evaluate what materials can fail or wear out. As you're trying to build something, can outside elements wear down parts of what you've already built? Now, there's a risk of putting too much weight on something unfinished. If you put a roof on a house with two walls, it's not going to hold up as long as one with four. The same might be using a process that's not 100% tested or, or proven to start running an element of your company. Likewise, you do want to make sure that your walls are able to support the weight of what you put on them. That same room with the four walls might collapse when you put the roof on it, if the walls are flimsy or, or built really slapdash. So let's pause for a moment here and come back to the main point. It's hard to build walls while the house is on fire. Focus on the difficulties, the stress and frustration of being both the builder and the firefighter. There's this constant need to triage problems and challenges as they arrive, assessing which have the most risk, which are the most deserving of your efforts, knowing that they're all distractions from your main objectives. At times, you're going to be forced to drop everything and be the firefighter. As you do so, you want to ignore your ego's desire to look pristine, unsure, or infallible. Sometimes you have to trust others in your team to help you, or handle the fires on their own. But take care of the issue, repair any damage, and get back to the task at hand. Don't spend too much time dwelling on the fire unless you're investigating to ensure it doesn't happen again. So I've described handling these challenges by focusing on environment objectives and materials, but what about the foundation you're building upon? How strong is your foundation? It's the support structure on which you're building your house. Is it old and sturdy, but experienced in handling the trials and tribulations of time? Is it experienced, but in need of reinforcement to support your new project or product? Has it been badly damaged in need of an overhaul? Or is it completely unbuilt, some greenfield project that requires you to dig out, build the foundation first before the walls can even be started? Evaluate what elements make up the foundation for your project. Be clear on all the elements necessary for success. These can include your personal health and well-being, your project team, your finances, industry regulations and standards, skills and experience, education, your support network, how you're organized, your guiding principle or vision, and or that of your organization, and feedback. How do you know if or when there's a problem? There is a reason most foundations are made of concrete and the walls above made of wood. The foundation has to support more weight and hold everything else up. You don't want to build shiny mansions on shoddy foundations. 
Next, consider all the ways your foundation can be undermined. It could be ill-conceived plans, poor craftsmanship, company infighting, uninspired leadership, supply chain issues, sides not adhering to their ends of deals or contracts. And listen, some of these undermining elements are always going to be out of your control. So are you able to build a foundation or adapt the existing one to prevent a storm from damaging the foundation in the first place? The caveat here is you do have to find a balance. You want to build the right foundation for the conditions. Don't overbuild the foundation expecting hurricanes when you're living in a desert. Likewise, you don't want to spend all of your time and resources on building and or maintaining an incredible foundation, leaving little time and resources left to build the house itself. Let's talk about time a bit more in the context of the pace of work. Building things properly takes time. It takes planning, checking processes, verifying regulations, confirming specifications. Time to think. If you find yourself in this constant chaotic situation or a high-paced corporate culture, it can be easy to fall into the trap of constant firefighting. This high-alert, high-paced busyness feels productive, but it's a fast track to burnout. It leads to distractions which lead to mistakes, delays, and projects that don't deliver on their promise. There are plenty of jobs out there where constant firefighting is the reality. Some examples would include fast food clerks, dress shoes on the ground stock market traders, but in those kind of jobs, employees are asked to follow a process as efficiently as possible. You have very few builders or process changers within those organizations, and they're usually at the very top. These companies are purpose-built for efficiency and repeatability. In most cases, trying to change things when it's not your responsibility is actively discouraged. So know what kind of organization you're working within. But going back to our analogy, would you buy a home built at a fast pace? At best, you're in a cookie-cutter home alongside others built in an efficient, boring development. But it's at least a quality home built by experienced people. At worst, you're in a potential death trap built slapdash with little attention to quality or craftsmanship. Coming back to yourself, what methods can you use to control the pace with which you build? Again, we'll come back to time block panic. In the day-to-day, -day, can you carve out time for the building tasks, but leave in wiggle room to firefight the issues of the day? In your communication, can you set expectations for the team, isolating check-ins for work problems as a group within defined time windows? Can you find ways to reduce friction? reducing or even eliminating elements that could cause fires in the first place? Or by working more methodically, can you reduce the risk of inadvertently starting a fire? Your project planning methods. Depending on the complexity of your house, use tools that help identify interdependencies, milestones, and organize the materials needed at each stage of the project. Examples here would be flow charts, Gantt charts, project plans, contract deliverables list, the contract itself, Kanban boards, and many more. You could use mental models. These are stories or analogies, like building a house, that provide a common blueprint for you and your team to follow. It's a form of an agreement on how you're going to handle and communicate goals, objectives, and problems. And also, one of the best methods is saying no. Can you identify what small fires you can let burn? Where and when can you apply blinders so you stay focused on building something great? And with that, have a great day. If you feel that Chris dealt with it, I'd appreciate your support of the show by sharing it with someone who might benefit. Ratings on your favorite podcast player are also helpful in growing the audience. 
Visit chriscroyder.com for free downloadable PDFs with notes and resources from today's episode, sign up for the CDWI mailing list, or to send in your problems or requests for future shows. That's C-H-R-I-S-K-R-E-U-T-E-R.com, or use the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Chris will Deal With It.